Hello and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, and this week I am again continuing my series on the many flavors of fascism. This week I'm going to talk about probably the most recent coherently understood and defined type of fascism, uh, which is the alt-right, and also its component, companion, the alt-light. Again, like I said last week, uh, I am recording as there is construction going on uh, next door. I'm trying to do it in like windows of little or less noise, but if you hear some construction noise, just know that they're installing solar panels on their rooftop. So like, that's just a good thing, and we have to be supportive of it. Um, and I don't have any other time that I can record this week, so that's just uh, that's just kind of what's up. My apologies. So, like I said, the alt right and the alt light are the most recent forms of the right wing that have like a coherent name and coalition and you know ideology attached to them. Uh, this is the coalition that emerged, or at least got named, uh, supporting the political thrust that would eventually result in Donald Trump's election in 2016. Uh, this is the group that united at the Unite the Right Charlottesville rally. Uh, it's also the group that fell apart thereafter uh, to leave a more disjointed and just sort of like group dysfunctional right wing that we see today in 2022. Uh, probably the Groiper movement or like political coalition is is the successor to the alt-right, although they aren't quite as big and they definitely aren't as big of an umbrella as the alt-right was. Uh, but, you know, the coming years, we'll just have to see if that seems like, you know, like they're the successor to the alt-right. Now, to talk about what the alt-right is and its origins, we have to talk about Richard Spencer. Now, uh, wonderfully, Richard Spencer is possibly f the most famous for getting punched in the face uh, in the wake of Donald Trump's election. Uh, he was actually punched in the face twice on camera in one day. Uh, this is, you know, a like punch a fascist gif. Uh, if you've seen that one, that's him. All right. Uh, Richard Spencer is a white sort of middle-class-ish man uh, from the United States. He was a, well, he was an attempted intellectual. Uh, he was in a PhD program at Duke University, but then dropped out uh, in order to be a right-wing journalist and ideologue, essentially, in the late um, 20 aughts and early 2010s. Uh, he coined the term alt-right, or at least arguably coined the term, you know, there's some debate about it, uh, but he arguably coined the term as he developed a website, alternativeright.com, which became the sort of like original hallmark of this political ideology. Initially, it was an online phenomenon that was connected with Richard Spencer and some of his, you know, fellow travelers, people like Curtis Yarvin, who at the time in the late 2000s and early 2010s was still going by his uh, nom de plume, um, Mincius Moldbug, which is just you know, fucking stupid. Um, although Yarvin himself is uh, somewhat different. He's a monarchist. He's like a sort of arch conservative as opposed to being a fascist. Uh, other components of the emerging online coalition of the alt-right include Breitbart, The Daily Stormer, etc. Uh, the alt-right initially appealed to white male young people in the United States uh, who were not already neo-Nazis or already skinheads. Uh, these are disaffected and downwardly mobile people. Uh, the alt-right initially, as I said, was firmly planted in internet culture. Uh, so we're talking like it grew out of 
things like you know these these websites and newsletters that I previously talked about, um, but also forums that rewarded sort of shock value right wing rhetoric, uh, supposedly as a joke, but decreasingly as a joke. Uh, these are places like 4chan or 8chan, uh, which uh, engage in racial stereotyping, uh, misogyny, talk about violence in a uh, celebratory or even joking way. Uh, this is also the reason that um, a lot of memes that are, I guess, supposed to be funny to the people who use them are associated with the alt-right. Uh, probably the most prominent and famous meme of the alt-right is Pepe the Frog, uh, a like, sort of creepily green frog with big blue eyes and enormous pink lips, um, which they use as a symbol of, um, like, like an insider symbol, a symbol of belonging. People posting uh, this frog as a meme. Uh, Pepe the Frog is a character that comes from an internet webcomic uh, whose creator has absolutely nothing to do with the right wing, uh, who actually deplores the right wing and, you know, has tried, uh, unfortunately, unsuccessfully to get them to stop using it. Now, the alt-right had connections to, but was not identical with, organizations like Confederate Nationalists uh, or the KKK. The alt-right is notable for being the first essentially mainstream political movement in the United States for an extremely long time, like probably since the 1960s, when there was a coalition, a very large one, of white nationalist Democrats in the South who voted for segregation, you know, people running on segregationist tickets, like just being white supremacists openly and winning elections and, you know, standing for president, for example. Uh, the alt-right is in that ilk. However, they are younger and more disaffected and angrier and more violent. Uh, so this is an explicitly white nationalist, violent, youthful online coalition that develops. Uh, they engage in conspiratorial thinking, anti-Semitism, pretty normal stuff for the right wing. However, and importantly, and to differentiate them from, for example, the democratic segregationists of the 1960s, they also have a, an intense dislike for mainstream conservative thinking. They hate the Democrats. They also hate the Republicans. They hate uh, people they call rhinos, you know, Republicans in name only. Uh, they have a, an extreme distaste for the establishment of the Republican Party, especially for the neoconservative wing of the Republican Party, which at this time was predominant, right? You know, this was... Uh, in the late 2000s and the early 2010s, when this was the dominant wing of the Republican Party, the neocon uh, wing, which uh, emerged as the predominant leading light of the Republican Party with uh, the election of George W. Bush and his coalition of uh, Christian Republicans, you know, evangelical Republicans and neoconservatives who, you know, were more about uh, international posturing and uh, international imperialism. Now, as the alt-right expanded and changed, um, it emerged as more of a real-world force. Uh, this is uh, after long decades of work. You know, they, they did a lot of organizing. They recruited a lot of people. And it went from, like, you know, uh, small meetups of people who had emerged from online to meet each other in real life to real-world organizations. Uh, the alt-right includes some of the largest fascist organizations that exist in the United States today. For example, the Proud Boys, although their relationship to white supremacism is a little bit complicated considering that a lot of their most prominent leaders are not white. Uh, for example, their their former national leader, Enrique Tario, is himself Latino. 
however, uh, the alt-right in general is pretty explicitly white nationalist. It's pretty explicitly racist. It's very explicitly anti-Semitic. And in some senses, in some occasions, it's been explicitly fascist. Uh, people like Richard Spencer have been seen and photographed giving the Nazi salute and not like like in a clandestine sense. They knew that they were going to be seen doing these things. They knew that they were going to be labeled as fascist, and they just they they just accept that. You know, they they self-identify in that way essentially. And that was the energy that the alt right was riding on after Donald Trump's election in 2016. They knew that they were part of developing this new zeitgeist, uh, this new leading coalition in the United States that. Trump had in part relied upon in order to be elected. And this was the energy that rode them in the direction of the Unite the Right rally, uh, which was held in Charlottesville in 2017. Uh, the Unite the Right rally was an attempt to create a united coalition of disparate groups, uh, which had formed the alt-right coalition. Uh, this disparate group was, like I said, extremely disjointed. Um, it included uh, fascist intellectuals like Richard Spencer. It included Confederate loyalists and, you know, just like like Southern Confederate conservative type people. Uh, it included more traditional neo-Nazis and uh, skinheads. It included strictly paramilitary types like the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys. There were also fascist proto-parties like the Traditionalist Workers Party, whose leader, Matthew Heimbach, I spoke about a couple weeks ago in an episode on people who tried to turn their backs on fascism. It also, and you know, maybe most sensationally, included like fascistic Jupiterian neo-pagans. Um, for example, uh, Augustus Invictus Saul, uh, one of the main speakers at the Unite the Right rally, who is uh, on trial for having slaughtered a goat. Uh, and sacrificed it. Um, you know, this is nothing against paganism in general. It's against uh, fascist neo-paganism. Uh, the Unite the Right rally was a terrible failure that, uh, you know, its, its, its violence and its incohate nature made the alt-right as a coalition decline. Uh, this was because it couldn't hold water. You know, they were incapable of maintaining the fervor and momentum that had led them in this direction. The more enduring component of this particular uh, phase of right-wing organizing in the United States might then, rather than the alt-right, be the alt-light. Now, this is a term that people on the right wing themselves coined, so I'm a little reluctant to use it. But like I said, you know, this is this is a little mini series about taxonomy, so uh, we're going to try to tease out these terms, and so if you encounter them, you'll know what they mean. The alt-light, which is either spelled L-I-T-E or L-I-G-H-T, you know, you can use either one, uh, are people essentially who the alt-right saw as fellow travelers, but maybe a little bit more mainstream, palatable type people. You know, people who could end up on TV uh, in a way that, you know, somebody like Richard Spencer probably wasn't going to get to go on CNN or wasn't going to be on C-SPAN, right? Uh, so uh, a good example of the alt-light would be somebody like Steve Bannon, somebody who was extremely right-wing, uh, but wouldn't say, like, as openly of racist shit, uh, just, like, straight up in the normal way that, you know, Richard Spencer would just, like, just say racist crap all the time. 
Uh, Breitbart, the news organization that Steve Bannon worked for and led prior to his working for the Trump administration, is a perfect example of alt-right coverage. Uh, also, somebody like Milo Yiannopoulos, who was a right-wing ideologue who was much more uh, popular and important immediately after Donald Trump's election, although he's uh, since fallen from favor after it's been revealed that he just um, he supports pedophilia. Probably the other most important genre of alt-light uh, is male chauvinism. Uh, these are sort of like uh, men who believe that women are oppressing men or that feminism is oppressing men. Uh, this is a component of alt-right ideology as well. It's also a component of uh, Republican anti-feminism today. But uh, these are people who make that their sort of guiding light politically. Uh, these are people like Mike Cernovich or various other masculinist movements, um, which are connected to the pickup artist, like, movement, I guess we have to call it, unfortunately, uh, since they are actually trying to change laws, you know, to change how sexual assault and rape laws function in the United States. Uh, this is also connected to the ideology behind the so-called incel movement, uh, which is another component of right-wing ideology at this time, uh, although uh, the incel ideology is usually associated much more with violence, which the alt-light is not. And the key thing here differentiating the alt-right from the alt-light is that uh, the alt-right is openly white nationalist, it's openly anti-Semitic, and it openly claims to support violence and openly participates in violence. Whereas the alt-light is sort of like the more like acceptable one, you know, the one that, you know, you might show your extremely conservative grandpa and he might agree with. That's the idea here. Uh, however, and importantly, these two movements saw each other as allies. They fully recognized that they were engaging in an inside-outside strategy. Inside-outside strategies being ones where, like, you know, there is a, a more radical push coming from outside, whereas from the inside of the institutions, from the inside of media, from the inside of government, there is a somewhat more, more moderated ally of that radical outsider push. Now, all of this, you know, this dream of creating an, an alt-right United States has been dashed. As I've said, the alt-right as a political coalition has essentially collapsed in the wake of the Unite the Right rally. But the work that they did to change how the United States works and thinks and to change who is in power, and especially to change the nature of the Republican Party from one that is run by neoconservatives to one that is essentially now run by white nationalists, Christian nationalists who support uh, non-democratic governance, uh, who support coups, who support political violence. Uh, that is the work that the alt-right did. And so while it may not exist anymore, uh, when we look back from you know the future, when we have a, a better vantage on the decades that we're about to be living through, unfortunately, we will probably recognize them as having achieved their goals, uh, even if they, as a coalition, might not be around to see it. Right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. If you really enjoyed it, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 Minutes of Fascism. That's 15 Minutes of Fascism, all one word. That's also where you can reach me on Gmail, 15 Minutes of Fascism at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at Hist of the Right, that's H-I-S-T of the Right, and on Fascism15 on Twitter. All right, thanks very much, and I'll talk to you next week.